I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Oh, break out the champagne. It's Friday night, Grandma. We got the Elks tomorrow on 6.30, Chad. 3.30 for the countdown to kick off game at 5 as they will try to beat the Stampeders in the Labor Day rematch for the first time since a 48-42 win. Five years ago today, September 8, 2018, Mike Riley passed for 397 yards. Bo Levi Mitchell had over 400 yards. He would have had close to 500 if they would have scored on a Hail Mary on the last play of the game that was knocked down by the Elks defense. CFL tonight. It is halftime. It is Hamilton 6, Ottawa 3. And I said to Brendan Escott before the show started, I said... My goodness, thank God the Elks beat those two teams. I know they lost to each of them earlier in the season, but their most recent battles, they did win. Uh, I I know by when we get to the end of the season, the the Elks may still wind up last overall. Uh, I don't think at the moment, if you did the power rankings, they're the worst team in the season in in the league. I think it's these two teams, Hamilton and Ottawa, and they are going about proving it tonight. Uh, now I know they've had some injuries neither team has the quarterback they started the season with yada 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 but 6-3 Hamilton leading Ottawa at the half triple header in the league tomorrow by the way Montreal at Toronto 11am Sask at Winnipeg 2pm and then of course the Stamps and the Elks at 5 uh, they've, they're underway at foot field U of A Golden Bears football team they won their opener last week they're taking on Manitoba who lost their opener to Saskatchewan Eli Hetlinger quarterback for the Bears who was on the show earlier this week. He was the Offensive Player of the Week, so the Bears will try to go to 2-0. and We'll uh, give you a couple updates on that score as we move towards 8 o'clock tonight. We'll also talk a little bit about the uh, Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, we'll get a Stampeders perspective on the Labor Day rematch, and uh, who knows where else we're going to go. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. That is the hotline for CertainTeed, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. CertainTeed, pro all the way. Send me an email, inside sports at 630 Chad. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. I'm very pleased that Brendan Escott is our studio operator this evening. Escott, how are you doing? Uh, things are good. A little bit later in the day. I'm sure everybody's got to be sick of me by now. It's it's kind of been 6.30 as last couple months. 6.30, Escott, I don't know. I feel like I work a lot is what I'm trying to say. Well, which but is good. I'm You're... glad to be here with you this evening. This, oh, well, this is fun. Uh, as you're filling in for Kellen Kennedy, Tonight, what was the resolution on that pass interference challenge? Because we were watching, and then I don't know if you were able to watch it because you're also opping the show. I'm hammering out, but there, there was and stuff a like that. Uh, my favorite. It has become <laughs> my favorite rule in all of sports: CFL pass interference. Uh, Hamilton was they well they must have lost the challenge because they would have been on the one yard line. Otherwise, but I'm glad they actually called one on the offense because he definitely pushed off and slowed down the defender as he went to make the catch. But if if I ran the world, the uh, Pastor Ferret's challenge would be a little bit different. So here's the situation. I know, just to recap, I know I've touched on this a couple of times this week. 
the Elks' chances of making the playoffs are extremely slim. If they would have won on Labor Day, then then it would be a different story. Um, but uh, even a win tomorrow, even a win that would give them the season series against the Stamps, they'd still be, oh, I don't know, well below 25%, maybe still in a single digit. If they lose tomorrow, it's done. The, you know, there's there's really no way they can get in. If they win tomorrow, and if they win by more than four points, then maybe. I think from an Elks perspective, it's better if Ottawa wins tonight, because that keeps Hamilton at four wins. Because for the Elks to make the postseason, they have to finish ahead of Hamilton, Ottawa, and Calgary. Uh, they really unlikely they would be able to pass anybody else. Quarterback Trey Ford commented on needing some help to make the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, 100%. You need teams to lose, but, I mean, if this, those teams lose and, you know, it plays the way you want and you don't win your games, it doesn't matter. So we're just going to control what we can control. We're just going to go out there and play and try to win our games, and then hopefully all the other pieces fall together. So. Well, I'll tell you what, if, if the Elks run the table, they'll get in. But I, I think the uh, odds of that are extremely slim. As I've said, at this point, keep scoring points. Uh, work on some consistency on both sides of the ball. Work on cutting down on some penalties. Work on your late-game execution, your fourth-quarter execution. Certainly, uh, the defense was unable to stop Calgary late in the game on Monday. The offense uh, couldn't get a couple key first downs when they needed. They were hampered by that holding penalty late in the game that negated a Kevin Brown run. So keep working on those things and give, uh, I think, give fans some hope for next season. And as I've said with Trey Ford, some hope that he is the guy who could be a really, really good quarterback in the CFL for years to come. The Elks, uh, now, Brendan, you were saying there is a key loss here uh, for the Stampeders. Who are they going to be without tomorrow? Uh, Titus Wall, who left that game on uh, Monday halfway through, didn't play the second half, but this is their strong side linebacker and one of the best in the CFL. He's now been added to the six-game injured list. So Edmonton, uh, catch a bit of a break on paper, but that didn't seem to make that much of a difference in the second half on Monday, did it? No, it didn't. But the good thing for the Elks is they are getting healthier, uh, first of all, on offense. They get uh, David Foucault back on the offensive line. On defense, I think these are big. Luchez Purefoy returns. He's going to play safety. Big Jamin Pelly, who just clogs up the line of scrimmage, he returns on the defensive line. Here's head coach Chris Jones. Yeah, there's no doubt. All three of them. I mean, Foucault's played some really, really good football for us this year. Uh, he's an older guy, you know, but last week uh, had a little bit of a, a setback and and uh, wasn't able to play. And uh, I, I certainly feel like he'll solidify us at the guard spot. And then the other two, of course, Pelly. You know he's a he's a big strong kid in the middle, and and we're hoping that it's added depth to our defensive line because they're going to try to come in and pound the football, and then uh, and then certainly with Lou, I mean Luchez is a, a great player. He's the top point getter on our board, and you know he's a guy that just goes and finds the football. Well, yeah, he has a couple pick sixes this year, so uh, the Elks are going to need it. They're going to need that depth on defense, Purifoy back to help stop that Calgary passing game. They rotate, or they're, they're dressing eight D linemen again. Man, oh man, they they cycle through a lot of guys on the D line. But Jones wants to get after 
uh, Jake Mayer and try to disrupt them a little bit. So there, there's some uh, headline notes for you going into that game tomorrow at uh, Commonwealth Stadium. Weather should be good. Smoke's not going to be a factor. I outlined the weather policy, smoke policy last night and explained just how close we were to that game not being played on Monday, which means it would have been decided in the form of a two-possession minigame before tomorrow's game. So if somebody had actually done their job and had a spine, that game actually wouldn't have been played, but instead they have to sort of reassert what the actual rule is, and now, oh, oh. Okay. And now we, it's a we, third we, party now, to measure the air yeah, quality, yes. Well, all right. Well, I'm glad the game was played, though. <laughs> Me too, of I'm course. I'm glad the and like, I, I find it... I find it tough as a viewer when I want to watch a game, and there have been not what there have been nine games delayed by weather this year, because during that Hamilton game, remember TSN was joking that Matthew Shinetti works every one, I think, or no, or no, it was. Uh, Marshall Ferguson that finally didn't do that one. I think that's what they were saying. Anyway, they, they have a whole list of yeah. The they field keep, level they keep track of who, <laughs> who's, whose fault it is, but yeah. I mean. When I was younger, Brendan, they almost never delayed games except for lightning. Um, and it would have to be really close to the stadium. So I think it's good they have rules. Um, you know, how long do you wait? If it's a weekday game, how long do you expect the fans to wait? How long do you expect the TV viewer to wait? Through through an Elks game, I'm waiting. You know, I, I, I want to watch the games. If, if it's other teams, I don't know. Um, we know that the, the the way things are going, there's a greater chance of uh, extreme weather in future summers. Perhaps there's a greater chance of continued smoke in future summers. Uh, I, I was kind of half joking last night. It's too bad all the stadiums just couldn't be domed, right? Because then you close the roof or have it closed and you're fine. But that's that's not the case. So I don't know. Like, could they say you restart the game a little sooner when there's lightning? Maybe, uh, but still, I, I mean, I know lightning in the area is lightning in the area, and these guys wear metal helmets, and sometimes maybe all the fans can't get to as much cover as they would like. But it is it is a problem, and even though I, I know the CFL is is doing prudent things, it is frustrating as a viewer, and it is frustrating for a league that needs as many eyes on it as it can. No, the TV numbers are still pretty good. We know the attendance isn't great in most cities, but the, the TV numbers are still pretty good but it, like if 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 the labor day game wasn't played <laughs> and then it was decided with a mini game before tomorrow's game i mean man oh man it would be memorable for all the wrong reasons so even though i know the air quality wasn't great I, i'm still glad that it ultimately got played anyway uh, 7804960063 is the uh, Certainty Hotline. And of course, this portion of the show presented by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for 40 years. Uh, Bob gave you plenty uh, on the Oilers. Uh, great interview you had with the TSEC home. You had Woody on uh, last night. He, I heard him using some of the clips from uh, Connor Brown that I gathered yesterday at the rink as those guys continued to skate. A lot of optimism around the team, as there should be. I, I know we reference what's the in-season move this year. It, it was Ekholm this past season. How's it going to go now for Edmonton? What are they going to need? Are they still going to need to uh, bulk up on D a little bit, need a little bit of depth? How healthy are they going to be as the season goes along? Uh, I still think, and I, as you know, Brendan, I said this when they were eliminated, 
if they could find a miserable bastard, pardon my language, that's eh, after seven on a Friday night, we're fine. Uh, it, because that's, and I'm not saying the Oilers don't have players like that. Like They got plenty more grit and gamesmanship and tenacity and from their star players. I, I, I mean, I, I've said, and I mean this as a compliment, Leon Dreisaitl can be one of the dirtiest players in the league when he gets out there and wants to use his stick and his body, you know, and take it as close to the line as possible with the rules. Um, but, like, Vegas really demonstrated that throughout the playoffs. For, and I, I'm not saying the defenseman couldn't do it, and Petrangelo obviously did one of the dirtiest things that we've seen in recent memory, but especially those forwards, right? It was like, we're going to muck it up. We're going to be in your face. We're just all going to be completely miserable in front of the other team's net on the forecheck, and I think that was one of those things that swung that series. Now, as Dreisaitl said yesterday, they didn't quite play their best hockey at the right time of year. Uh, they made more big mistakes. They made a lot of big plays, but I mean, he had a four goal. Didn't he have seven goals in the first two games in that series? <laughs> so, you know, they made a lot of big plays, but the mistakes kind of haunted them. So anyway, just some storylines to uh, plant there for your Edmonton Oilers. All right, we will take a quick time. we got a lot to get to, more on the Labor Day rematch, and uh, we'll meet a new member of the Edmonton Oil Kings, but he's not new to the city of Edmonton when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. Good to have you tuning in tonight. I am pleased to welcome to Inside Sports defenseman for your Edmonton Oil Kings, Mark Lajoie, checking in. Mark, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thanks for uh, hopping on the show. Really appreciate uh, you taking the time tonight. Of course, the Oil Kings have their first preseason game tomorrow. It's against the Calgary Hidman. It's 6 o'clock. It's at the Enoch Community Centre. So you guys going into uh, a little bit of the outlying area there to uh, showcase your team and your talent. Hey, for you... This is going to be your first year with the Oil Kings, though obviously you're a WHL uh, veteran. Tell me about coming to the team and uh, and coming home. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's you know special to be at home. Um, you know, I had a great four years in in Tri City, and when when you're there for so long, it you know becomes a second home. So um, you know, obviously I was a little bit sad sad to leave there, but you know, as soon as you know camp rolled around, and you know, I got to meet all the guys and and be around the staff and whatnot. I'm obviously. You know, really excited to be able to uh, finish off my WHL career here at home. Uh, I, I always enjoy talking to people who played for Tri-City because it, it always strikes me as an interesting community with the, the, the Tri-City. And uh, I think the Americans are a, a pretty big part of the landscape there. What was it like playing for the Americans? That was awesome. Um, you know, I loved, you know, my four years there. Um, you know, obviously met a lot of great people, um, you know, had unbelievable billets and, you know, the players that, you know, I played with and met along the way were awesome. So, uh, you know, like I said before, I, you know, I loved my time there, but, uh, you know, I'm, you know, really excited to be a part of the Oil Kings here. Uh, I, I know you're, you're, uh, you're out of high school now. I don't know if you're doing any post-secondary work, but being a, a Canadian who then was spending most of the school year in the United States, how do, how does the schooling work for for you guys when you when you have to go to this? Do you, do you totally immerse in the uh, American system, or how how does it shape shake down? Yeah, no, I went to school, um, you know, in the states. Went to a school there, kind of like you know, I guess whatever they they would do down there. So um, you know, obviously the culture is you know a bit different, um, but no, it was really cool for me to kind of experience how how they do schooling down there. Obviously, the the sports there are huge. So it's you know, really cool to be a part of that and be able to go watch you know some football and basketball games and whatnot so um you know that was that, that was cool and it was, it was fun to be a part of that all right uh of course uh people might be like oh mark lejoie i wonder if well yes uh serge is is uh your dad and just to give you some uh 
<laughs> so you're probably going to chuckle at this. Uh, when I was going to university, I watched your dad on the blue line for the Golden Bears. I know you were not around then, but uh, just tell me about the, the bond for you and your dad through hockey. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's, you know, coached me all the way up, uh, you know, until I got to the Western League. Um, so for me, you know, being able to, to finish off my career with, with him is, is really special. And, you know, he's been a guy that's, you know, kind of taught me everything I know. And, you know, he's been there, you know, for me throughout my hockey career. Um, you know, and we have a really good relationship where, you know, we're able to, you know, kind of keep hockey at the rink. Um, so he's my coach at the rink and my dad at home. Um, but yeah, no, it's it, it's special, and, and I'm really excited to be able to to finish off my career with him behind the bench. Yeah, so it's uh, like w- when you were younger, was it? I mean, I know most Canadian kids want to play hockey at some point anywhere, but in, anyway. But uh, you know, was he was he steering you towards it, or did, or was you making your own decisions? What was that like? Well, I mean, obviously he was coaching, um, so you know, I was always around the rink, um, you know, with him. Um, so I think obviously through that. You know, kind of fell in love with the game. Um, so I wouldn't say he, he ever really pushed me, but I was, you know, around it since I was a kid. Um, and then I kind of fell in love with the game, just, you know, spending all my time at the rink with him while he was coaching. Who are some players, uh, I don't know if you were an Oilers fan being in the Edmonton area, but who were who some uh, players you looked up to as a kid? Uh, I was actually, you know, a Montreal fan growing up. Um, so, you know, P.K. Subban, um, you know, Shea Weber was, you know, probably my favorite player growing up. So, you know, kind of tried to, you know, model my game after him, I guess. Okay. Well, hockey is a big part of your family because I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but doesn't your sister play for the Pandas? She does, yeah. Uh, I'm actually on my way to go see her right now. So, um, you know, another good thing about being at home, she's going into her, her fourth year here at the U of A and uh, I haven't seen her play once. So, Oh, geez. Um, yeah. So, so that's, you know, special to me to be able to see her. Oh, good for you. Isabel, that's her name? It is, yes. Yeah. And what yeah. position does she play? Uh, she's a forward, so she's she's actually the captain there for the pandas. So um, you know, it's cool to kind of have have her also, you know, by my side. She's helped me a lot throughout my career too. So um, you know, it'll be nice to be able to, to watch her a lot this season. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, well, thanks for doing this while you're trying to get to the game. We just got, we just got you for a couple more minutes. Uh, what's coming up for you? Aren't you going to uh, to an NHL camp and you'll get some experience there too? Yeah, no, I'm off to uh, going to Colorado's camp here. So, um, you know, that'll be special, obviously, anytime you you get to go to one of these camps and kind of see how, you know, how it is at the pro level and, and play against, you know, the top players. Um, that was good. So that's coming up here next week, and uh, I'm really excited for it. All right. And in terms of the Oil Kings, I mean, they were a, a, a top team. I, I, I mean, the, the pandemic might have prevented them from winning yeah. another WHL title or two. Who knows? tough year last year as uh, they're starting the, the rebuild. Just how do you sort of look at the, the, the team's prospects this year and, and your role on a team that is still you know fairly young, but I, I think it's fair to say there's some growing expectations now. Yeah, I mean, obviously they're, they're a younger team and, um, you know, they've added a couple of veteran guys, but I think, you know, they got a lot of returning guys as well. And I think just getting, you know, a year of the, the Western League under your belt is huge. So a lot of these know younger guys um have gained a lot of experience just you know throughout the last last year so um you know obviously they had a, a long summer probably longer than you know they would have wanted but you know they gave them time to you know, kind of work on themselves throughout the summer and obviously they're excited to be back here and you know you never want to go through the season they did last year so just trying to make sure that 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 doesn't happen again so i think you know all the experience that those guys got last year and, and adding some veteran guys i think will be good for us uh, coming up here 
Okay. Mark, you're an excellent interview. Look forward to seeing you play for the Oil Kings. Uh, thanks for checking in while you're on your way to watch your sister play as well. Have a great year. Yeah, thank you very much. We appreciate you having me on. That is Mark Lajoie checking in. New addition to the Edmonton Oil Kings blue line, uh, as he was telling you, four years with the Tri-City Americans, and now the uh, Edmonton area guy is coming home to play for the Oil Kings in his final year in the Western Hockey League. All right, we got a break for the 7.30 news and weather. We will tee up more of the Labor Day rematch when we get back. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Well, hello, everybody. Halfway through the third quarter, Hamilton leading Ottawa 13-10. In the Canadian Football League, three games in the CFL tomorrow. The end of the triple header is at Commonwealth Stadium. It's on 6.30, Ched, 3.30 for the countdown to kick off the game at 5. It's also on our sister station, News Talk 770 out of Calgary. And uh, this next gentleman uh, just knows pretty much a year ahead of time that he's on the Friday before the Labor Day rematch. (laughs) It's Greg Peterson, analyst for the Stamps on 770. How's it going? Good, Reed. Yeah, I just know I'm going to be on your show coming up here to Edmonton. <laughs> your annual appearance, and I love having you on the show for sure. Are you up here yet, or what are you coming? I just got into my hotel room, so here at the Westin, where we always stay. Okay, so, yeah. you're probably hungry, so we'll keep you for a few minutes, and then you can no, go refuel. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh... I'm going to ask you the question, um, and I know your perspective would probably be a little different. What did you think? Uh, what were you thinking during Trey Ford's run in the third quarter? I was kind of—I was happy and I was sad. Um, I thought, "Wow, this guy's got some speed, um, and he really, really does." But I was also, you know, obviously didn't want the Elks to do well against my Stampeders. And then I was also thinking, you know, I'm just great. It's great to see a, a Canadian from the CIS step in and show people that um, CIS Canadians can, can can do well. So I was kind of torn, but I, I'm really happy how well Trace Ford is doing, and I hope most Canadian fans are. Uh, I, I want to ask you some questions about Doug Flutie, and I, I, I want to be very careful here. Like, I had a listener earlier this week really mad, uh, accusing me and, and Elks fans of comparing Trey Ford to Warren Moon. No, we're not doing that. And no, I'm not saying Trey Ford is Doug Flutie, but I do think it's relevant to speak about an elusive quarterback. Like, when you first became kind of like like Doug's teammate and worked against him in practice, or just saw some of the magic he pulled off in games. I mean, what is it? What does it do to have a quarterback um, that you just know that like, the play's never dead with, right? Like even as a defensive player watching him during games. Well, uh, as uh, I, I think it's great. I think that's the CFL, and it's great to have someone. I mean, you know, we've had Bo Levi Mitchell, who isn't a scrambler, but Bo's good in other ways. But I think the Canadian game is really made for quarterbacks like Trey Ford, like Doug Flutie. Um, and it, it just had an extra element because if play breaks down, then 
you can always make something happen. And I think in our game, you have to do that. I'll never forget Dave Sapungis, my good teammate, um, said to me, they came out the field and it was quite the play. And I go, well, Dave, what did Doug call? And he goes, he goes, this guy's Sandlot football, go get open, I'll find somebody. I mean, you, you can never do that in the NFL, but you can certainly do it if you're Doug Flutie in the CFL. I, I, love, I love that. Just get open. Get open. We'll, we'll throw you the ball. Um, yeah, and I know, because how, how much did you cross over with Doug? Was it one year or two? One year. So he came in 1992. We won the cup in 1992, and then I retired. Right. Okay. Well, you went out on top, right? Why not? Uh, right. <laughs> so in practice, was he full-on like that, or would, would he not bother scrambling like that? You know what I mean? <laughs> no. No. Practice, you're more, here's the play, and let's try and do it. But we would have scramble rules where every once in a while Doug would scramble. And, you know, we, we prepared. It helped us as a defensive backfield, as a defense. Because if you can, your scramble rules, they, they're automatic. But, you know, in practice, it's like you're on your set play and you have a defense, everything's scripted and it tries to work out. Where Flutie and Trey Ford and quarterbacks uh, like those two do their magic is in a game because the play breaks down. And you don't do that in practice, but you definitely can have that happen in a game. And that one run that uh, he had was incredible last week. So, but you would have played from your era, I mean, just to name a couple guys who were the double E, you know, Tracy Hammond, Damon Allen, and there were plenty of other guys who were elusive scrambling quarterbacks in your era too. From your role as a defensive back, like I'm just wondering what made it the hardest. Was it, okay, I got to stay with a receiver or no, I got to run up and tackle this guy and he might maybe look foolish. Or was it that I'm just going to chase him for 40 yards and I'm going to be exhausted for the rest of the drive? It, it, you're always were fearful because you have to cover your guy longer. And if you're in a zone, you never want to come up. I mean, as a defensive back, especially as a safety, our job was let the linebackers, let the D-line take care of the run no matter what. But you're always tempted. You see them running, and you think they're going to pass the line of scrimmage, so you leave your man to go make the tackle. Uh, but I learned you just can't do that. But... Uh, it's always it's just very difficult on a defensive back to continue to try and cover a guy longer and longer and longer it just it makes it so hard i think it's hardest on the dbs yeah uh i, so, I think another radio show wants you or something you're a popular guy <laughs> <laughs> okay uh greg peterson from the staff's broadcast team joining us tonight on inside sports to shift gears to the uh the, the current editions of these teams look greg for quite frankly for i, I you're you're a you're a bit more seasoned than me but i'm comfortable saying in most of our lifetime uh at least one team has been good M- many years both teams have been really good competing for first or home field in the playoffs this year is different the elks are last Calgary is is second last. Um, mm-hmm. I guess Calgary's in a little better position to maybe be a crossover team right now. I haven't seen the Stamps play every game this season, but I've seen them play quite a few. I know they beat Toronto, and nobody else has been able to do that. Uh, you know, they had a couple of classic games against the Riders. They've been close some games. They've they've been blown out a couple of times. And I almost felt like Monday's game. It's like that that was the stamps. Like you don't know what you're going to get sometimes from one minute to the next. How how do you see your club? Uh, I see both the stamps and the Alex as two underrated teams. I think they both should have better records, especially the Stampeders. They've lost all these very close games that they easily could have 
uh, had their record where they really only have two losses this year. So, and and the Elks the same way. I've I've looked at them and they they just really didn't have an offense until Trey Ford came. And once he came, they really have an offense. They've had a pretty good defense. So I think these these two teams, both the Elks and the Stamps, are two teams that are good football teams and just haven't had the breaks. And consequently, they've had their the records as they are. Uh, I think this latter half, both teams are going to win more games and they're going to lose, and it's going to be quite the dogfight to get into the playoffs. It should be pretty exciting for the CFL. Yeah, well, I, I, well I'd love to see that uh, playoff drive here and not just playing out the string for sure. Um, Jake Merritt, quarterback, he's leading the league in passing, and, and certainly on fr- Friday or on Monday, so he just heated up in that, uh, in, in that fourth quarter. Where has his success come from? And what's maybe the next uh, the next step for him as he continues to evolve? Well, he's still very young, but he's calm, cool, and collected. Whether he makes a mistake or whether he never gets too high, never gets too low, so he's got the perfect temperament to be a quarterback. But where he's best is he is so accurate. He's got a very quick release. But where he really is the best, I think, is when he moves in the pocket. Even though he's not going to be Trey Ford and run for 134 yards, as a matter of fact. Last week, Trey Ford, 11 carries, 134 yards. And uh, we had Jake Mayer, one carry for five yards. So that's how it's usually. But he, he's got to move the pocket. You just have to in the CFL. If you're going to stand in the pocket and just try and throw darts, that's not going to happen. And where he started to be get successful is moving around in the pocket and he keeps his eyes down the field and uh, does a good job, of a uh, very accurate job, throwing over the middle when he's out of the pocket. So... Uh, that, that's what he's got to do. He didn't have much success, though, when he tried to be a drop-back quarterback. And I don't think too many quarterbacks in the CFL can do that now. The defensive guys are just too good. You have to move the pocket, get out of the pocket, scramble around. You have to have some scrambling ability. And what Jake's really got, though, in addition to that, he's very accurate with that quick release. Well, hopefully it's another good game uh, tomorrow. Uh, you know, the Elks have not won this this rematch game since 2018. That was that 48-42 game, which I'm sure had you as a former DB having nightmares. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I like how you put that with these two teams. Maybe I, I know the word deserve doesn't always apply because you are your record, but maybe they both deserve a couple more wins each and uh, one or both might, uh, might go on a roll here in the final couple months of the season. Greg, love doing this with you. I'll probably see you at the stadium tomorrow. Thank you so much for checking in tonight. Okay, appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Reed. That is Greg Peterson from uh, News Talk 77, uh, 770 in Calgary, our sister station, and they are the play-by-play voice of the uh, Calgary Stampeders. Good to have him on the show. As uh, I don't know who was phoning him there, Brendan. I felt I felt bad. Needed as somebody needed Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, or he had room service yeah, I was coming. Say room service. Here's is your mushroom cold. soup, Mr. Peterson. I don't know if he eats mushroom soup. Sometimes I just crave mushroom soup, don't you? Only as a supplement to the best macaroni and cheese dishes your grandmother can make. I would never just have a can of mushroom soup. Well, no, I'd heat it up. Hopefully outside the can so you're <laughs> yeah, not starting yes, exactly. the microwave. Just put the can in the microwave. It's perfectly <laughs> safe. No, kids, don't do that. All right, Ottawa has scored, and they have converted the touchdown to lead Hamilton 17-13 with 3.25 left in the third. Uh, Again, the Elks' playoff hopes are slim. I do think an Ottawa win would benefit them 
uh, more than a Hamilton win tonight. But of course, the Elks got to win tomorrow, and uh, they preferably they got to win by more than four points to get the season series. I want to catch up on a couple of your uh, messages at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. It's Inside Sports on Chat. Well, is this Superman's Dead by Our Lady Peace? Our Lady Peace. This is off, uh, I believe this is off Clumsy, their second album. I think this is the first track on the album. You weren't born when this came out. How do you know about this? Uh, Naveed was, boy, that's loud. Naveed was 94, and that's when I was born. Clumsy came out in 95, so I was here. So you were listening to it as a one-year-old. stuff, so I kind of grew up on it. I saw Our Lady Peace live twice. <laughs> Rain made a what a voice. Well, Jeremy Taggart's been on this show. What's that? Is he with Chantel Kraviasek? Yes, I believe they're married. And Jeremy Taggart, the former drummer, has been uh, has been on this show because uh, we had him on. So here's the here's the thing. I saw Our Lady Peace twice. They opened for Van Halen on Van Halen's Balance Tour. And then I saw them as the, oh, the the headliner on their own tour when they were even bigger after Clumsy. And uh, Everclear opened for Our Lady Peace, and Everclear was, was very good. And so then when Eddie Van Halen died, when it was, I think it was October of 2020, wasn't it the, when they had the draft in 2020? Um, I, I had Jeremy Taggart on the show and I to just get some questions about touring with Van Halen and any memories he had and I, I said like could you tell uh, Sammy Hagar and Eddie hated each other and he basically said yes <laughs> that they they did the concert and uh, went their separate ways so anyway that's a shame I love Jeremy Taggart not only because like if you listen to how tightly wound the snare drum is in those first couple of Our Lady Peace albums it's a very distinguished sound but he is really a part of Canadiana in so many ways and maybe in like the subculture a little bit he and Jonathan Torrens I think they have a, a podcast now together but yep. a couple of like lower key Canadian icons in a sense that uh, what do you call that a cult following a niche market something like that Golden Bears Bisons at Footfield Mooner just texted me 7-7 in the second quarter with nine and a half minutes left so the Golden Bears uh, football team trying to start the season 2-0 7804960063 Potato Joe writing in tonight my goodness wonder what how he likes his potatoes prepared uh, why do you and Bob insist on calling the Oilers power play the best of all time it hasn't helped them win a Stanley Cup that is from Potato Joe uh, okay. I don't know if Potato Joe's being just a little sarcastic there. Uh, yes, the Oilers, this group of Oilers has not won the Stanley Cup. Perhaps their legacy ultimately will be defined by uh, if they win one or if they're able to win one or more. But look, I, 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 the, the order, this is a historic power play. 32.4% last season. That alone makes it the best of all time since they started keeping the stat formally in the late 70s. You have to remember, in 2019, 2020, 29.5%. In 2020-2021, the 56-game season, 27.6%. This is not hyperbole that we are witnessing not just last year in terms of having the best single-season percentage of all time. This is a four-year run of over 25%. That's likely to continue this year. 
And you got McDavid, you got Drysaddle, you got Nugent Hopkins, you got Hyman, and now you have Bouchard, who's probably going to outperform Tyson Berry in that role. So, uh, I, I, and, and look, we get it all the time. I mean, Rob and I, the, the second call we had on overtime open line after they were eliminated by Vegas was a guy saying that this proves that McDavid's just a, a cherry picker and just cares about personal points. I, you know, that, that I know that'll always be out there until they win a Stanley Cup. I, I, I get it. But, I mean, you, the Stanley Cup is what it's all about in hockey. But you can't just give... Uh, you can't just discredit other stats because a team doesn't win the Stanley Cup. I mean... You know, Chicago is probably not going to win the Stanley Cup this season, but Connor Bedard might have an amazing year. That's not going to, uh, in my mind, diminish Bedard's season if he's on a bad team. But I, I, I hear that all the time, and I, I, I know that's out there. But I, my message would be to Potato Joe and others, my God, enjoy the power play. <laughs> like I, I enjoy the power play. I mean, it's you're gonna sit there and nitpick this. Like, how on no, earth? Like, you're gonna be happy because when you look, look five years, ten years from now, when the power play is not the best in the league, that's you're gonna be longing for these days. That, that's the crazy thing. In 15 years, when McDavid and Drysaddle and Nugent Hopkins are all retired, <laughs> you know, likely. Uh, like, here's the thing. The Oilers 10 years from now could have a 24% power play that's third in the NHL, and guys like me and you, Esco, will be like, I remember when. This is nothing. <laughs> I'll get to be the old man waving You'll my get, fist at the clouds. That's, that's right. <laughs> and I, and I, yeah, I, I mean, I, again, just, just enjoy it. I mean, the plays that they make, not just the set plays, the the way they're able to improvise and keep pucks alive and just know where each other are and uh, and they're just getting better and better at that and again I think with Bouchard and the threat of his shot and him getting more experience is going to help uh, is going to help even more. I just don't understand what the argument for a different like is. You're going to go back to the '70s Montreal Canadiens and try and make an argument that they're a better power play than the current Edmonton Oilers. Is that is that where we're coming from now? Why can't we just sit back and enjoy that this team is well, in the midst of the wheelhouse where it's not only the players all hitting their prime at the same time, but the organization we've seen is absolutely pouring everything that it can into this being the two or three year yeah. window. Yeah, but now I will say, uh, I mean, you got to win. You got to realize that potential. So it is, I mean, Drysettle and McDavid have referred to it. It is cup or bust, whether it's this year or in the next three or beyond that, if they both resign. And I think they will. I get it. It's, it's not about finishing second. It's not about getting over 100 points in the regular season or whatever. It, yes, big picture, it is about the cup, but I, I think there are little things you can enjoy along the way as well. Steven writes in, 780-496-0063. He says, hey, Reed, I say the Elks get the win tomorrow in convincing fashion. Monday's loss will have them playing angry and a little embarrassed. That is from Steven. Uh, they probably will be playing with that attitude, which I don't think is a, is a bad thing sometime. I'm not going to go so far to say as they win in convincing fashion, though it would be nice to have a, uh, a stress-free victory. Um, you know, Greg Peterson was just on the show. He thinks both teams are better than their records. That's always an interesting argument because, I mean, you and I have watched every Elks game. Yes, they should have won a couple more games, but there's defined reasons why they lost. You know, you can't... Okay, yeah. In most cases, do you score from the one-yard line against Saskatchewan? Yes, but they didn't. 
That's why. The, so we, you know, they, you, you don't vote after the game and be like, "Ah, Edmonton should have won." Well, but they do that in the U.S. election, actually. Yeah. I think the electoral college, something like that. Yeah, or you know, some judge sports for sure. <laughs> but I do think. Um, I mean, the Elks know that the opportunity that was there on Monday. Uh, they know that to be a good team, they got to put games away, uh, put games like that away. Sure, I think anger and embarrassment, depending on the individual player, will probably factor into it. This one's always interesting, right? Because a lot of players who've participated in this series in the past say it's almost like an extended halftime. There's not a lot of time to make adjustments tactically. Uh, you're not going to overhaul the playbook in, in four days in between games. But that's why I continue to think this is probably going to be a bit of a benchmark game for Ford early in his career. He saw what Calgary was doing to him. It worked to some extent. I'm not going to say it completely worked because he did still make some plays and then he did still get some uh, uh, nice completions when he faced pressure. They, they'd like to push it down the field a little bit more and get more passing yards. But to me, this is the one for Trey Ford. F- physical ability, even the small sample size we've seen, I, I don't think anybody's doubting it. This The scrambling is exceptional, better than I expected personally. Uh, the arm strength and the accuracy appears to, to be there. And again, I'll admit he's better than I expected in that category. So now can he hand, uh, how does he handle that actually, that, that pure quarterback part of it? You know, what, what do I do when they, they give me one look and then they do something unexpected? Or can I remember, oh yeah, this is that look they gave me in that, just that one play in the second quarter on Monday and I'm pretty sure they're going to do this. Do I have an answer for it? That's the beauty of football, right? As, as harsh and physical and as grinding a game as it is, so much is, is played between the ears and uh, relying on all the adjustments and players to just go out there and, and make plays. I'm looking forward to it, for sure. Uh, 3.30, you guys are on tomorrow, right, Scott? Yes, sir. I will be at Commonwealth Stadium, 3.30 for the Countdown Show. 5 o'clock kickoff. It's going to be a barn burner. It's going to be hot out, too. Why don't you snag a last-minute ticket? Well, and the Swifties are going nuts. What is it? They're going to pick four people to participate in a contest of unknown parameters? I think it's going to have something to do with lyrics, but that's just my guess. I think Swifties would probably risk a lot more in order to get a chance at these tickets. So. I think I think Swifties would volunteer to play quarterback for one of the teams to get tickets. I think that's how dedicated they are. All right, Scott, thanks for uh, filling in for Kellen tonight. Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend.